welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt. I uh, want to welcome you guys that are first-time listeners. Those of you that have been with me for a while, I um, appreciate you tuning back in. Man, what a time to be a college football fan. Goodness gracious. I, I can't remember I can't remember a time like this with college football, just the amount of changes. Um, just, just the whole college landscape has changed like drastically uh, in the last like week or two, and um, man, it's been it's been busy just trying to um, keep up with everything and put out you know quality content uh, on ChopChat.com, uh, keeping up with FSU as well as the competitors and rivals, and obviously you know doing the podcast here. But um, hope you're having a good Monday. I am officially counting down. Um, I have like seven days. I think next Wednesday is going to be my last day at, at work work. So uh, just counting down um, uh, with that. Um, just had a great workout. I had my daughter to join me. Uh, I posted a video on, on Twitter. Uh, you can see her getting it in. Um, uh, that, was, that was pretty fun. But, uh, man, a lot to talk about. I um, want to talk about, um, you know, FSU uh, coaches, um, kind of trimming the roster, so to speak. Um, going to talk about how FSU can close the gap between themselves and, and, and their rivals and getting back to respectability. Um, going to talk about um, the Wesley Besaint saga with Chris Marv and one way to potentially fix the issue. Okay. Um, but you may have, if you follow the Built for Playmakers podcast Twitter account, you may have saw that I tweeted FSU has around, um, 50, I counted 15 or so players that I think should, um, you know, hit the transfer portal. You know, there's, you know, nothing personal as far as those guys. I'm sure they're, they're all great kids and, um, you know, but when you look at the roster and, and where things stand, you know, they, they just are not going to get on the field and be a contributor for FSU. And it's, and it's so crazy that um, whenever Willie Taggart took over for Jimbo Fisher, um, I wrote an article um, called um, FSU Recruiting Has Been Fool's Gold. If you go to chopchat.com and, and just type in fool's gold in the search box, it should come up. And it, I wrote this 157 weeks ago. And, and the crazy and the craziest thing was I talked about how Jimbo Fisher failed to uh, trim the fat from the roster, so to speak. As a matter of fact, I think I can I can find the exact words here. Yeah, I said <laughs> I wrote this 157 weeks ago and it says, the most important thing Willie Tagger and the staff need to do is evaluate the roster and determine who can or will be contributors moving forward. Frankly, there is still a lot of dead weight on the roster in terms of players that haven't developed or simply been injury prone. I said, if it looks as though they don't have the potential to fit the schemes on offense or defense, it's time to trim the fat. And I said, there's about eight to nine underclassmen that could be processed that could clear up space for the current um, or future recruiting classes. And, you know, so we're talking about, I said eight to nine then. 
And now I'm saying there's around 15 or so, and it probably could go up to about 18 or 19, really. Um, you know, and I don't want to, I don't really want to name, I didn't name any players on, on Twitter because I just, you know, like I said, I, I want to be respectful. Um, you know, some guys just have been hurt and haven't been able to um, develop. And some guys just frankly were not FSU quality players and just a poor evaluation by um, previous staffs. Um, some of it is uh, probably COVID related and not been able to evaluate players properly. But um, we've already seen um, four of the 15 that I had noted um, hit the transfer portal. And, um, you know, I want to want to wish those guys the best. And hopefully they end up in a, a, a situation where they'll be able to continue their um, playing careers and, um, you know, move forward. You know, and when you really look at this thing, um, you know, this is going to be – this tells me that Mike Norvell understands how things work and that, you know, he's doing what needs to be done to raise the floor of the program. So, you know, whenever you look at the total composite rankings, FSU is behind Miami, um, they're behind North Carolina, they're behind Clemson, and they're behind Florida. Okay, now obviously um, Miami and Florida are going through, they're going to go through a t transition phase. Um, and UNC is recruiting, you know, they're recruiting pretty well considering the state of that program finishing six and six with, with Sam Howell as the quarterback, which is, which is crazy. Um, and then of course you have Clemson and of course Clemson just lost Brent Venables and they lost a four star, high four star, um, defensive back, uh, in Keon Saab, who will likely go to Michigan. And I saw another prediction for another four-star of Clemson uh, players that's committed right now um, who will likely follow uh, Venables to Oklahoma. Um, you know, so, and I think Dabo Sweeney has, I think there's like 14 or 15 commits in that class. You have, you've, we've seen um, at least two Florida players that have hit the portal. Um, I remember those two because both of them were uh, recruited by FSU's previous staff, um, and both are, you know, both were were talented players. I know, I know they didn't want to lose um, one of them, um, Chris Bogle, I think it was, who will probably end up at Kentucky. Um, and then of course Miami, Miami's um, going through, um, you know, I think Charleston Rambo just declared for the NFL draft, you know. Um, they just lost a high three-star linebacker recruit a couple of hours ago, Justin Medlock from Texas. And, of course, they only have eight commits in the 2022 cycle. Um, and Florida only has um, around 11 or so, I think it is. Um, and FSU has 16 with the possibility of closing with some um, high-end talent. Um, so... Along with those players, if, if FSU can land the majority of them, coupled with um, you know quality players from the transfer portal at key positions, you got to think about it. FSU is going to—they only returned like 43% of their production from 2020 to this 2021 um, year that we just experienced. And aside from you know and 
you know, we didn't know we were going to have Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas last year. And, and even after we got them, you know, signed, we didn't know, you know, exactly what they were going to bring to the table. Uh, so, of course, we lose those guys after this year. And we already know that Robert Cooper's coming back. Fabian Lovett could come back. I feel a little more optimistic about him coming back now that I saw him tag um, another um, recruit from uh, Mississippi State where he used to attend. Um, he tagged Coach Novell about, kind of, you know, look at this guy um, who was a linebacker. And, um, you know, we could, um, you know, we, we, we're waiting to hear from Jamie Robinson and kind of see what he's going to do. But for the most part, you know, most of the team is coming back. You know, they're going to lose Devontae Love-Taylor, who, who really wasn't, you know, the player that he was pre-injury. Um, they're going to lose Bavion Johnson, who you know actually turned into you know a serviceable, serviceable offensive lineman under um, Coach Atkins, which you know before before Atkins got here, it was like man, he was a lost cause. Um, so going to lose those two guys, um, but you know you return Darius Washington, Dylan Gibbons, Marie Smith, um, uh, Robert Scott, and um, you know. I, I think um, Jashawn Corbin could come back. Um, you know, Trayshawn Ward be back. You might lose Cameron McDonald. You know, he can come back one more year. Um, I don't, you know, it just depends on what he wants to do. Um, but he, he could come back. So, really, um, you're going to return the majority of your team. Okay, so, and with those players, FSU was a um, – top 50 team according to advanced metrics and probably a bit higher than that if Jordan Travis could, you know, stay healthy. And so, um, you know, Clemson, Dabo Sweeney doesn't really use, you know, he didn't want to use the transfer portal, which could be a detriment to him because that's going to be, be a way, that's a way to FSU close the gap this this previous year, um, you know, with uh, Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, Jamie Robinson, um, you know, so if Dabo wants to, you know, be stuck in his ways and be stubborn, and, you know, and in this transition with um, with losing Brent Venables, you know, this is a way that FSU can absolutely close that gap with Clemson. And, um, you know, if they have a strong year on the field in 2022, another strong re recruiting class, you know, then it's going to be off to the races. Um, you know, same with Florida. You know, Florida probably is not going to be able to take a full class. Um, you know, they'll have to, you know, dibble and dabble in the transfer portal. Um, same with Miami. You know, so when you look at the high schoolers that FSU can likely sign coupled with if they hit on some key players in the transfer portal, then um, hey, that's a lot of ground that they can make up. Um, but before I get um, any further, let me go ahead and, um, you know, uh, represent our, our sponsor for the program, um, betonline.ag. So if you're, uh, you guys are into betting, hey, make sure you're going over to, uh, to sign up for the uh, updated desktop uh, mobile website. You can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your uh, bonus. And, um, you know, you got a lot of things going on. You got um, NFL football, um, NBA basketball, you got hockey, boxing, UFC. Um, if you watched it, you know, I don't know if you guys know or not, but I used to cover MMA before I, um, 
begin writing about FSU. And um, man, there was a there was a great fight um, this past weekend with um, uh, Jose Aldo, who was a former um, featherweight champion. Um, that that was a that was a good fight. And MMA is a way that you you know if you follow the for the sport, you can you can actually make some money as long as the the judges don't don't job you much like ACC officials but um yeah make sure you uh, support us um head over to um betonline.ag and um put that deposit down on your first um account there but um but yeah so FSU has an opportunity to 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 finish strong close the gap um you know a lot of that is going to depend on the and you know the improvement of, of Jordan Travis as a quarterback, you know, I wrote before this year, you know, I said, you know, one way that FSU could, could, you know, show progress on the field. And this, I mean, it's an obvious thing, but it's, you know, improved quarterback play. You know, they haven't had good quarterback play since forever. Um, you really, I wouldn't even, I mean, it was decent, you know, DeAndre Francois, his fresh, fresh, freshman year in 2016, um, advanced metrics had FSU as a top 10 offense, but, it could have been a whole lot better if uh, Francois was uh, a bit more accurate, and um, a lot of that was Dalvin Cook. But um, you know, FSU finished with um, you know, like I said, a top a top uh, top fifty offense. I think it was finished number forty two, according to um, FEI. And um, you know, it would have been even higher likely if Jordan Travis could have um, played the entire year. But um, you know, so they bring all those guys back. And um, offensive line, get some key guys in on the offensive line. Everybody hits the weight room, um, you know, strength conditioning. Um, everybody feels more comfortable another year in the scheme, offensively, defensively. Uh, and good Lord, please, please, please improve special teams. You know, namely, namely um, punt return and kick return. And um, it looks like FSU could have some help on special teams, um, you know, if they are able to um, sign uh, Devon Mortimer. I think he is an instant upgrade at punt return. And then, of course, they are targeting um, the Oregon transfer, uh, Micah Pittman, who is uh, who will be um, on his official visit to FSU um, this coming weekend. You know, he has some experience at um, punt return, too. I think he averaged over 10 yards per return. Um, while he was at Oregon, so you know that would be an instant instant upgrade. And um, heck, they could improve uh, kickoff return just by not even returning the kicks. Just just fair catch it and take the ball at twenty five for all I care, right? But um, let me get into the um, Wesley Basaint saga. Um, you know, a lot of people were um, in an uproar whenever Basaint um, decided to choose. Miami over FSU um, on Saturday, and you know, I think a lot of a lot of the uproar uproar had to do with um, guys that you know people pay to um, hear their predictions. You know, you know they had been told that you know FSU was in good shape, and and they probably were. Um, you know, and everybody had their crystal balls in there, and. Um, you know, for FSU, and then, you know, at the um, 11th hour, you know, things changed, and, you know, the Saint was going to go to Miami, and so I think, I think probably that was the most um, frustrating part for FSU fans, um, because they probably, 
I'm not saying those guys were lying. Like I said, it's just recruiting. Things happen. Whenever you're talking about South Florida kids, I mean, we've seen it in the past. If you follow, if you followed FSU recruiting long enough, um, South South Florida kids are, are, you know, they're not they're not predictable. And if you watched his commitment video, you could tell that um, that kid really didn't want to leave home and probably had a lot of a lot of pressure to stay home from some family members and re regardless of of uh, who the coach was going to be at Miami I, I think you know he I think he ultimately was going to go to Miami no matter what you know so um but you know that is um FSU did devote a lot of resources I mean heck they sent the entire squad down there to his house Mike Novell Marv um, Odell, um, Adam Fuller. I mean, you saw the picture online. I mean, he had the whole squad down there. So, um, it's not like, it's not like he didn't know he was a priority, but you know, at, at the end of the day though, um, FSU does have a need at, um, at linebacker and, um, you know, they don't have a lot of options out there. And, um, now it's look, it looks like, um, Chris Marv could be, you know, could be moving on in some fashion and um you know i tweeted i tweeted this the other day um well yesterday whenever that kind of seemed like that was the sentiment um if that does happen if if he is not on the staff whether he you know moves on on his own or takes another job or whatever happens you know if that happens um you know i think that's a good sign um you know or Mike Novell, meaning, you know, from accountability standpoint, you know, you got to hold players accountable, but you also have to hold staff accountable, you know. So if uh, Mike Novell, um, you know, he says he assesses everything and, you know, if he, you know, he looks at the recruiting board and you're not, you know, you're not um, carrying your weight um, on that end, yeah, you, yeah, the linebackers did improve um, with Kalen DeLoach and DJ Lundy, but, at the end of the day, you got to bring in guys that, you know, the the higher quality guy you bring in, you know, the less development you you need. So, um, you know, it looks like, um, you know, some things could be happening with Marv there. I, I don't want to speak on it until things become official, but, um, you know, they missed on Wesley Besaint. Um, and I know some people think it was a big miss, and it, and it was. I'm I'm not saying Besaint is not was not an important player. Um, I think it's more important because FSU has a need for uh, uh, linebackers more so than the Saints being uh, an elite player or anything. I mean, um, I mean, it's not like he was a, a top top 100 player. Um, I think he was 196 overall and the number 20 or 21 linebacker in, in the class. Um, you know, so um, FSU could go uh, into the transfer portal and hope and hope to to fill that that need. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen as far as Jerron Willis, you know, I, like I said, I would have, I would have been cut bait with him a long time ago, but you know, there's, they're, you know, they went and visited him recently. So we'll see what happens with that. If he, if he um, decides to flip from Georgia Tech or, or goes elsewhere, but you know, there could be, there could be some, some options to help fill that gap, at least body wise at the linebacker position. Um, I floated the idea out there the other night. I said I, ha I had been thinking about it for a while, um, just because FSU only had Omar Graham, who actually could be an unrated recruit. Um, now that we've seen his senior year, that guy was balling out. 
Um, but one guy I floated out there was um, Brian Courtney, um, who is uh, the athlete from Virginia, who the staff um, was recruiting or is recruiting as a tight end. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, man, you know, the guy has measurables. I mean, he's 6'4", 225. You know, he runs a 4'5", 40. And um, he plays in a wing T offense as a quarterback and also plays defensive end for his high school. So it's not like he's not used to, you know, being physical. And, um, I mean, 6'4", 225, and he's incredibly smart. I think his GPA is like a a 4.25, something like that. So you got a guy that has, you know, a lot of great physical attributes and he's really smart. Um, That could be a guy that I would potentially look at moving to a linebacker. Um, yes, they need, you know, they have a need for tight ends, but, um, you know, they, they do have, um, I mean, heck, you had a you had a walk-on playing some rips um, this year um, or the last two years. And, um, you know, we don't know what uh, McDonald's going to do. Um, you got um, other players like um, Wyatt Rector, um, Jackson West, who's a freshman who really didn't see the field this year. Um, you know, and it's really tough for a freshman tight end to, to come in and play as a freshman because that's a tough, you know, that's a tough position. Um, and um, I think that Courtney could possibly um, see the field earlier as a linebacker, um, you know, especially because I think he's going to be an early enrollee. And, um, you know, so physically, I mean, 6'4", 225, I mean, he's, you know, he's ready to play. Uh, he's got to learn the position. Whereas um, when you look at Wesley Besaint, I mean, Wesley Besaint is like 200 pounds. And people thinking he's going to come in and, and play right away as a freshman, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a physical game. And um, when you're coming down, you know, trying to stop the run at 200 pounds, man, hey, good luck with that. And, um, you know, I think it was going to take him a year probably for him to develop, put, put on a little weight before, um, you know, he would really be looked at as a contributor. Um, so, um Another another option that I've been thinking about, um, you know, I'm talking about trimming the fat from from the program with players that you know likely won't get on the field. And I started looking at the roster, and as I was going through listing names that probably should hit the portal, um, a couple did stand out to me that could be possibilities um, if you know they were willing to to make the change um, to linebacker. And um, one one of those was, um, and he really, I think, I think he's tried to make the make the move already. Um, Jadarius Green McKnight, um, former uh, four star recruit um, that signed uh, when Willie Taggart was on staff or head coach. Um, he's five listed at five eleven, two hundred eighteen pounds. Um, so he's you know he's 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 not tall, but um, he's got, you know, a, a build of a linebacker, so to speak, and, you know, he plays safety in high school, so he should have some coverage skills, you know, out there, and at 218 pounds, you know, you can put on five, ten more pounds there, and keep his quickness, then that could be somebody that could possibly, um, you know, make the move if he doesn't hit the uh, transfer portal. Um, another one, actually, um, somebody's I can't remember who it was, um, so I'm sorry if uh, you're listening to this and you were that person that mentioned it. I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned uh, Brendan Gant. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense because Brendan Gant is, um, you know, he's 
he's tried to play safety and he really saw his his snaps decrease this year and he's really really not good at safety but you know he is a physical guy I mean you know gosh how many personal foul penalties has he gotten you know obviously you have to clean that up but he's a physical guy you know he's 6'2 listed at like 208 210 pounds you know if you could put 10 pounds on him move him down you know in the box you know physical guy 6'2 got good length um should have decent speed uh being that um he was you know a safety in high school you know you know that's a that's a former i think he was rated like mm, number 118 or something coming out of high school overall that's a guy that could potentially move the linebacker um you know if he doesn't hit the transfer portal and then um finally um, the other guy that I think, you know, could be a potential guy to, to look at would be, uh, Shaheem Brown, um, who signed last year, you know, he got a lot of, um, brave reviews and, um, um, is he the spring or fall camp? I can't remember which one. I can't remember if he enrolled early, but, um, you know, he's a guy that the former, um, uh, FSU, um, player turned head coach, um, signed off on and, and, and the staff, uh, signed him. But, you know, Shaheen Brown, we've seen him. He'll, he, he's not afraid to lay the wood out there. Um, you know, he's probably um, a, a bit undersized weight-wise and would need to put on probably 15, 20 pounds. But he's listed at 6'1", 6'2". Um, has the mentality to be physical. Um, and the reason why I say possibly move him to linebacker is, you know, they've, they've got him at safety. And when you look at when you look at the um, the talent that FSU is planning to bring in uh, on a defensive back front, you know, you know, will he will he get snaps there? I don't know. You know, you got you know Sam McCall coming in. Um, you know, they're they're recruiting some other defensive backs that they could have a shot at here down the stretch. Uh, we'll see who they ultimately sign. Um, and they're looking at um, you know um, a JUCO guy and. Um, you know, so if they are able to sign a, a few a few more of those guys, then you know that would that could kind of open things up to move Shaheen Brown down in the box um, at linebacker. Um, so so yeah, it is it is bad that um, FSU only has one line, linebacker uh, committed right now, and there's not a lot of options out there. But that could be those players could be kind of uh, stop gaps until you can. Um, land some quality players in next year's recruiting class if you're not able to land anyone from the transfer portal. And, um, you know, if if Randy Shannon is brought on as the linebacker's coach, I think that would be uh, a significant upgrade um, over Chris Marv, um, probably um, uh, on the field and, and definitely off the field uh, since Randy Shannon has a lot of key contacts in the state of Florida. So, um, you know, it looks like, um, you know, Looks like Mark, um, Mike Novell is, 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 you know, is um, doing what he needs to do to uh, improve the program. And, um, you know, they just need to finish strong on the field um, with the players that they have um, remaining out there. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but before I go, I do want to touch on um, the hiring of uh, Mario Cristobal for Miami. And, um, <laughs> man, what <sighs> – Wow, that is unbelievable how how that that program handled that. But I'm not I'm not surprised I'm not surprised at all. 
Um, you know, and it sounds like we're going to have the, the, the same old, same old, the U.S. back um, conversation that we have had every year for the last 20 years. And um, I, I haven't had a chance to, to look at everything, but I did write on ChopChat.com if you missed it. Um, just a quick snapshot or impact of the hiring of Mario Cristobal um, for FSU, just for fans that, you know, want to get an idea of, you know, you, you probably hear a lot of things from Miami fans on how he's going to change the game and he's going to bring us back and, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. You should be scared. And um, I put a quick little little something together um, just talking about, you know, um, his background uh, as an offensive line coach slash offensive coordinator, you know, kind of what his offenses have done uh, in the past. Um, and then uh, him as a recruiter. I think that's probably the biggest thing that, Miami fans will kind of try to talk up, but when you when you really look at um, him as a recruiter uh, at Oregon, he wasn't he wasn't anything special. Um, you know, he signed he signed some guys, but you know he was at Oregon. You, know, you got tons of resources out there, and you're not you're not having to recruit against a, a USC that's uh, fully committed or um, you know Cal, UCLA. You know, I mean, there's I mean, there's really no competition out there. Um, considering the resources that Oregon has, and you know, he still wasn't able to recruit at a um, you know a, a, an Alabama or Ohio State or you know Clemson um, level. Um, he signed about 57% of his class. I, I gave him the um, 2019, 20, 21 class. And when you when you look at those three classes together, he signed an average of about fifty seven percent blue chip players. You know, I mean that's good, but you know that's at Oregon when you don't have to compete with anybody on the West Coast really. You know, when you're talking about going down to Miami, and everybody trying to raid the state of Florida, not only is FSU there, but you know you got Alabama and Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Auburn. All those, all those teams are trying to dip down into Florida. So, um, good luck with trying to um, keep those local kids local. Um, things are it's not it's not you know 1980 anymore. It's not 1990s anymore. Um, the landscape has changed since he was last there as an offensive line coach in the uh, 2000s. So, um, Crystal Ball doesn't scare me. Uh, Napier doesn't scare me. Um, like I said, I've said on Twitter a few times. When FSU is operating at an optimal level, um, they are a tier above both of those programs. They have been for the past 30 years, um, and we've seen it as recently as within the last decade. Now, the question is, uh, might Norvell the guy to um, get FSU to an optimal level? Um, we'll see. Um, you know, it's hard to call right now just because he's had to you know, clean up a lot of a lot of mess um, from the um, previous regime, and of course FSU has been operating without an AD. And it looks like they're tr about to hire an AD, but you know that's another conversation. Um, um, but you know, um, Florida's going through through a transition. Miami's going th going through a transition. Clemson is losing one a huge piece to their continuity and stability with uh, Venables leaving. Um, you know. I feel I feel good about where we're going. Looking at the schedule next year, um, I feel I feel good. So, 
Um, if you get a chance, uh, check out chopchat.com. Um, a lot of great content on there over the past couple of days. Um, talking about the um, the offensive improvements, defensive improvements, um, stuff on uh, Florida's hire, Miami's hire, and um, recruiting information. Um, appreciate you guys support me, man. Um, it's always good to um, uh, get on here and talk FSU um, and to talk back and forth to you guys on Twitter. I uh, really appreciate the support. Um, make sure you um, subscribe and download uh, Built for Playmakers podcast um, on whatever um, platform you you um, use and um, make sure you spread the word about us um, you know I'm on here I'm not a blow sunshine type guy um, but I am I am probably naturally an optimist but at the same time if something's crap you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you it's crap you know I just try to be respectful to to everybody involved um, so if you um, if you like what you heard, make sure you tune back in. Uh, we try to post at least once a week. I'll probably record again, um, depending on how recruiting shakes out here soon. But um, again, appreciate you guys, and go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.